This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast, where Kristen Urgel, a longtime TV sports reporter and college football coach's wife, goes one-on-one with her fellow coaches' wives. We will uncover the stories of the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. I'm so excited to have Rhonda Brewer on with us today. Rhonda is the wife of Gunnar Brewer, wide receivers coach for the Louisville Cardinals. Thank you for being a part of us today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you today. And thank you for hosting a podcast for Coaches Wives so that we can share with each other. Hasn't it been encouraging to hear everyone else's story? I think it's really been encouraging most to me. Oh, it is so encouraging. And I listen every week and I learn something new. And I've been in the business 32 years. Wow. Now let's talk about that road to Louisville, Kentucky. (laughs) If I'm doing the math right, correct me if I'm wrong, 13 stops. Is that right for coach? That that is correct. 13 and 34 years for him. Wow. He played at Wake Forest, 1986, I think was his first time coaching there. And you've been in a lot of places, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, North Carolina, now the Cardinals. Could you have anticipated this journey? No. You know, when I first Being young and getting married and getting into the coaching field, I couldn't anticipate it, but Gunnar could because he was raised in college coaching. His dad was the head coach at Ole Miss, so he was a a coach's kid his whole life, but it has been an adventure that I, you know, could never have seen coming, and we have such great memories from every job, and our family feels very blessed, and, you know, the silly thing is, or the funny thing, I guess, is my children have spent more Christmases in a hotel than they have at home. (laughs) So I guess, you know, that's a win for this crazy business. (laughs) That is actually a really good thing, right? (laughs) Yeah. Now, how did you meet Gunnar Brewer? We met in junior college, Northwest Mississippi Junior College in Senatobia, Mississippi. Oh, you're a Mississippi girl. So he was a, I am a Mississippi girl. I was born in Tennessee in Memphis, and then my family moved right across the state line um, when I was in fourth grade. So I am a Mississippi girl. Very good. Okay, so you met him in junior college. How long did y'all date? Did you know pretty About, early on that you wanted to be Mrs. Brewer? Um, Kind of, but, you know, he went away to Wake Forest, and I went to Ole Miss. So... It was a long-distance relationship there for a little while, but in the end, you know, he was the one. Now, he, I was looking up stats. He, I was a former sports anchor, so I love all the little stats about it. So, okay, he's one of the few college coaches to have multiple Blitnikoff Award finalists. He's been a successful offensive coordinator at multiple Power 5 programs. That's the on-the-field stuff. From your eyes, what do you think makes him great? Well, um, he has coached some very, very talented wide receivers in his career and that led to two like you said Bolitnikoff winners and then one was a Bolitnikoff finalist but I think what makes Gunner a great coach and and successful is he was born to be a coach being um, the son of a college coach he understood from an early age that it was long hours recruiting is crucial to any winning program and he that was in his blood that's what he wanted to be you know, whatever you grow up, what kind of your childhood, you learn some things from your parents that they did well, and you want to emulate that. Were some things that Absolutely. he that he kind of brought to your marriage and says, when we raise our kids, I want to make sure we do this because this, you know, 
this was crucial to me, um, loving this sport or having a great experience. There's some things that you guys talked about. We did. We decided early on that we were going to be a team and our team was first. And that when we made a decision, we would make it as a family and we would always take a vote on so we would know where our kids stood if we were making a move. And sometimes it wasn't unanimous and sometimes it was, <laughs> but um, we stuck to that. And, you know, I knew my role as the caregiver and the parent and everything else. And we knew his role. But at the end of the day, it was all about us being a family unit. Now, I read where you have two children, names, and where are they now? Well, our oldest is Keaton, um, and he is married to Kate Brewer, and they live in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And then we have a daughter, Lauren, who's 27, and she lives in Denver, and she's currently working for IBM. So they are both off of the payroll. <laughs> there you go. Very good. <laughs> yeah. No grandchildren yet. No grandchildren yet, just two grand dogs, so... We're hoping. We have our fingers crossed. There you go. Right there on national podcasts, right there. We just put yeah. it out there, didn't we? <laughs> put the pressure on them. <laughs> now, this question, I really love asking this question because this is where I really feel like I start really taking the notes, which is, and this is the hardest question to answer, and I say it every time, but you have to brag on yourself, and um, it's hard for we women to do that sometimes, but you know, we all want to learn something new and you are part of a very successful family, highly successful coach. Share with us, what are a handful of things that you think you've done that you believe has made an impact on Coach Brewer's career? Well, I think first off, you know, Gunnar and I always agreed on our parenting style, but I think the biggest thing for his career is he knew that I would go anywhere my only stipulation was that if my parents got sick, I would be able to get to them immediately. Mm. But I said, I will move wherever you want to move. So wherever we went from the day he accepted the job, we, we had the positive attitude and we knew that we were going to plan ourselves in that community and we were going to be a part of it. Now and I, I just think that's important. Absolutely. Well, I mean, planting, you said something very crucial there. Planting yourself in a community is totally different than just moving there and, and surviving. Absolutely. But, and you know, having children, though, you have to embrace the community because you want your kids to be happy. And if your kids are happy, then everything else is going to go okay. But you have to build those relationships for your children. And we are the best role models for them. We said, we're going to invest in the community. We're going to be a part of it. And that's what we did every time we moved. What were some ways that you tried to get connected quickly when you're relocating? Okay, putting your feet around, undoing the boxes and all that. What were some places <laughs> that you found that were able to connect pretty easily? Well, we could always connect through the athletic program. But we always tried to connect through our children's school, their friends, our church, volunteering in the community. You know, we tried to to be a part of that community, not just be someone who had moved into the community. Now, you can't win every game. Uh, no one does, no. right? So <laughs> we all go out no. there thinking that we can every, every week, Absolutely. right? But we can't. So Absolutely. there are seasons of transition in this industry. And despite his great success, like all of us, you know, we don't get every single job we apply for. And sometimes no, we don't, we get down 
we get confused, we get hurt, we get angry. I mean, just to be honest, you can get bitter, you can get sad, you just don't have an understanding. Why in the world mm-hmm. would they not select us, right? That's what right. are some things that you try to remind Coach Brewer of during those highs and lows of coaching college football? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because Gunnar and I had an experience a few years ago where a job opportunity came available and we, and it went on for four weeks and the door just kept opening and then it would close and then it would open and we'd get our hopes up and yep, that's what we're doing. And then it would close. And finally the door closed and the two of us looked at each other and Gunnar said, you know, that door has closed for a reason Mm -hmm. and we need to accept that that's God's plan. He doesn't want us to go there. And 17 days later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. And that was a wow moment for us. So there are lots of highs, but there are also lows. But one thing we learned is that, you know, we have to depend on each other and our coaches' families. They always show up and they show up big when you need them. They sure do. Let's go back to those days that you found out. Um, Okay. Your first reaction, obviously, just overwhelmed and terrified, I, I would imagine. Overwhelmed and terrified and scared. But, you know, Gunner and I, I found out I was driving through Chapel Hill when I got the phone call. And I didn't think I was going to get it till that afternoon. And Gunner was planning to come home, you know, to be with me. But I drove to his office and we just decided then, kind of like football, that we were going to take it by each quarter. And you know what? We were going to focus on the first thing was what were our options? And then when we got the options, okay, this is what we're going to do, but we're not going to look down the road because we have to get through this hurdle first. Mm. So we just took each section from the surgery to the chemo to the radiation step by step. And, you know, without our football family, it would have been very tough to have gotten through those days because some were long and lonely and hard and other ones, you know, we had lots of laughs in. How many rounds of chemo and radiation and all that? um, Four rounds of chemo every three weeks Mm -hmm. and then um, 30 rounds of radiation. And I had a double mastectomy. Wow. So, so it was a trying year for us. Mm -hmm. What was your biggest source of encouragement? My biggest source of encouragement was from four of my friends who would just come to my house if I could get out of the bed that day, but they would let me know that they were in the house. Mm. And I never felt alone because mm. cancer can be very lonely yes. because you have a lot of time to just be by yourself and in your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they encouraged me spiritually, mentally, physically, and when I'd think, oh, I'm not going to get out of the bed today, they would say, oh, yes, you are. So they encouraged me, along with my family, of course, that I couldn't have done it without, but they encouraged me to, you know, to face it and to face it with grace. And, you know, each day was a different day. Has it changed your perspective at all on and life in general? And, and Oh, absolutely. You know, relationships with people, what's it changed about it? Absolutely. You know, things that I thought were really important, they're not as important anymore. You know, I don't care what the score of the game. I mean, I do care what the score of the game is, but I don't care if people 
know that I didn't have any hair. It's it's changed my whole outlook on life. Mm-hmm. Like I live each day to be present in that day. Mm-hmm. And I want to be present for all the people that I love. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it, it's life changing. It is. You know, you, you have to look at your own mortality that may happen. You have to examine every part of your life is examined. And you think of every part of it. But I'm thankful, you know, I was in that care of good doctors and great family and friends, and they all led me through it. Has it allowed you to see, I think when I have gone through Landry, my daughter's situation, yeah. you don't know what people are dealing with and you don't know everything when you're passing somebody or another coach's wife. I mean, do you feel the same way? You, you realize there's people are facing some things they may not be able to talk about. Oh, absolutely. You know, we never know what someone else is walking through and they may look all pulled together and happy on the outside and on the inside they're really just broken. So it has made me step back and think when people share even small things with me, you know, I need to pay attention to that. They need me. Or, you know, my brother became ill and I knew they needed me. Well, we were fortunate we were two hours away so I could go and help Mm. and I could be there. But it it really makes you re-examine everything in your life. It really does. What are some ways that maybe is on a coaching staff, sometimes we're really close in coaching staffs and sometimes we're not as much. If you have someone on your staff that has a situation like that, whether they're battling cancer or have battled cancer or a sick child or something like that, that they're Mm -hmm. facing, what are some practical ways you think that coaches' wives could help each other? Well, I think you're right. Some staffs, they, the chemistry is so strong that you can't break it. And sometimes you don't have that. But I think some ways that coaches' wives can help each other is getting to know each other, whether you're really close or not, you know when things are going on because your husband's come home and tell you, you know, so-and-so child is sick or they're in the hospital or someone's mother is ill. And I think we just have to reach out. We have to support each other. And we have to pray a whole lot. <laughs> we do. We absolutely yeah. do. Yeah. Oh, and the people that are there, like you mentioned your friends that showed up, your four friends right. that said, no, you know, we're showing up. And you probably yeah. didn't ask them to come that day because you don't want to nope. ask for so much help. No, because I, because, you know, as coaches wives, we're very independent. Mm-hmm. You know, we learn how to do everything, and asking for help was not in my vocabulary. Oh, no. And and finally, my daughter said to me, she said, Mom, everyone wants to do something. They just don't know what to do. They want to do that because they love you. Mm-hmm. So you have to accept their help. And I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? You're exactly, because she said, because if that was them, you would be right there helping them. Mm-hmm. So she said, just say yes. Just say yes. So, you know, we we were very well taken care of. But I think as coaches' wives, you know, we usually do not live near our family. Right. So we are family. And I think we really have to make an effort to connect with each other. I think you're right. You're exactly right. Our guy spends so much time away, you know, recruiting oh. or 
meetings, preparing yeah. and, you know, away games that you can't get to. Um, <laughs> what are some things that you have done that you really enjoy personally um, now that you are, um, help, you're in remission, right? Yes. Fabulous. Yes. How often do you go back and check? I just bounced around on questions. Every there, six months. Every six months. Every six months. Yes. I went, um, I still go to Chapel Hill um, because that's where my doctor is and I'm very comfortable with him. And so I had a checkup in February and I'll return again in August. So every six months. I guess right around appointments, you probably bat a little bit of fear that comes back, right? Oh, a lot of anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's just knowing that you're going to have, you know, the scans and the tests and, and, you know, that's just human nature. It is. How do you what get if? through that? How do you get through those what if moments? I do a lot of praying. I mean, I'm, I have a very strong faith and um, God took, carried me through it and I have to lean on him and lean on Gunner and, you know, he'll know my anxieties and I just, you know, it's just, you have to play the mental game. It is, it's a mental game. Do you think it's changed him at all to watch you go through all this? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, Gunner is a Gunner's an emotional person, but watching me go through it was very hard on him because he was trying to balance being a coach and doing his job, but also being my husband first. Mm-hmm. and taking care of me. Um, so it was very, very hard on him because usually I'm the one who's taking care of everyone. And like my daughter told him, she said, Dad, you have to pick up the slack. <laughs> right. <laughs> she said, you you can put your own dishes in the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, right. but yes, I think it was very hard you know, for any man to, mm-hmm. first of all, men usually don't show their emotions that much, but when right. it's their wife, it's, it changes the game for them. It does. Cause they can't fix it. No, they can't fix it. And they think they can, mm-hmm. they can't make a phone call and fix it mm-hmm. or they can't, you know, make it go away overnight. Right. So, but you know what? We grew a lot through it as a couple mm-hmm. and our faith and, um, I wouldn't have wanted to go through it with anyone else. Hmm. He was a great partner to have by my side. Now that you have a little bit more time on your hands and you're feeling better, what do you enjoy doing? Do you work? Do you do some volunteer work? What do you do? I don't work anymore. I was previously a first grade teacher, which I loved. Um, When we moved to Stillwater, um, that's a small community, so there aren't a lot of jobs. So I kind of went into retirement, I guess, then, but we had two kids in high school so that was a big transition move for us mm-hmm. um, but I love to read I love to travel I like spending time with my kids and I love to volunteer I like volunteering at the schools and right now we're trying we have a chocolate lab that we inherited his name is Doc and we are trying to train Doc our Doc is in training we're not trying to train him. he is in training so we can take I can take him to the schools and children can practice reading to him Oh, I love and, it. And that will give him, give them confidence because yeah. dog doesn't know if they got the word right or not. That's right. I love it. That's like a therapy dog as well. Cause I have a special. Absolutely. And that is a big deal. She actually gets to go relax with the dog a little bit. And it kind of calms. Oh yeah. Her with her it is a very calming. Yeah. Yes. That's phenomenal. But for a child who struggles with reading, 
it is a it's a confidence booster. So that is that's our goal is to get Doc trained where he can go. We can take him into the schools and or the library or wherever, and that you know children can read with him. I like to volunteer. I like to you know give my time to different groups, and I've worked with breast cancer, of course, um, volunteering with that and reading with children and backpacks for with food for kids to take home for the weekend. So. You know, children play a very special, have a very special place in my heart. You've said you've been a coach's wife for, what'd you say, 30-something years now? 32 years. 32 years. What would you say is the hardest part about being a coach's wife? Well, I think that's a loaded question. But um, (laughs) I think the hardest part is, was for me when we first started, was to realize that my husband does not have a nine-to-five job. Mm-hmm. and that I don't need to get angry at him or take take it out on him when the neighbor's husband is home playing with their kids in the yard at 530. Mm-hmm. So I think that's hard to get the balance for a, a coach's wife on you're going to have a lot of time by yourself and no one except coaches' families understand your job really. Right. They don't understand that after the season, your husband is not off. Mm-hmm. So I think finding that balance, that's hard for being a coach's wife. But then also moving every few years and reestablishing yourself in a community, you know, finding new doctors, vets, explaining your husband does does exist and he does live there, <laughs> even though, you know, he's gone when they go to work in the morning and he's not home when they come home. But I think that part is hard. For us, a really hard part is leaving the players Mm -hmm. that we've recruited when we move to a new place. Yes. You know, because Gunner makes a commitment to those kids and says, you know, I'm going to be here to help you. I'm going to, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way and it's out of our control. Mm -hmm. But I think leaving the players is really hard. And I think, um, of course, leaving, you know, the great friends that we make along the way. What are some ways you've tried to overcome some of those obstacles? When we had our children fairly early, that way I would take my kids to see Gunner if it was for five minutes mm-hmm. so that, you know, they could see their dad during the day because you know that during the season, you don't really see them a whole lot. Um, but I just, like I said earlier, we made the commitment that whenever we had to move, that we were making the commitment to that place. And that we were going to make it work. But it's still hard. It's hard to leave your friends. It's hard to, you know, to see your kids cry and leave their friends and that they have to walk into a new school and, you know, have lunch by themselves maybe the first day. I mean, you never know how it's going to turn out. You don't. I think another hard thing is also just raising children away from family. There's a lot of people that live pretty much their entire life around their family. Oh, yeah. You know. I mean, Gunner's brother, his kids have lived in the same house their whole life. Mm-hmm. Well, my kids don't really have a place to call home. My kids call Chapel Hill home, but, you know, it's not like they say we're going home. We live in a different place every few years. Mm-hmm. When my daughter was in college, um, she went to the University of Missouri. She went on a mission trip every January, and three of the years she came home, we had taken new jobs while she was gone. Wow. So she so that was the joke in the family. Okay, are you where will we be living when I come back? <laughs> but 
that was just the season we were in. Being a coach's wife is hard, but it's also a one. I mean, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't either. And I, I mean, it's yeah. extremely hard and you can't explain it to other people at times, but no. there's some things that we experience that you oh. definitely can't get in any other profession. I mean, the impact that your husband has had and you have had on your players that you've recruited and, and those that have been a part of the team, I'm sure you've, you know, cooked some meals for them and, and uh, you know, like that to make them feel a part of your family. Well, and one night, you know, this is just a quick little story. We had moved to a new school and it was about 1130 at night and the phone rang and it was a house phone then because there weren't cell phones. And I thought, oh my gosh, something's happened. And I answered the phone and the young man said, Miss Brewer, is coach home? And I said, sure, hold on. And he told Gunner, he said, my mom and I just wanted to call you and thank you because I will be the first one to graduate from college in my family. Mm. And that is because you recruited me to come and play football. Wow. But we just want to say thank you. Wow. And I was like, that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we cooked many meals, many Thanksgiving dinners, you know, on their birthdays, I always send, they get their choice of which type of cake they would like, or if they want cupcakes or brownies. But, you know, we make their day special. So, you know, they don't get homesick and they get to share it with everyone they're with every day. I like that idea. So you in your position group, you get their birthdays and then you get the order. And we give them, I give them a little list and they tell me what their favorite snacks are. And if they don't like cake, if they want brownies or oatmeal cookies and on their birthday, that's what, you know, Gunner takes into the room and they all share it and they love it. I mean, they're just big, big, you know, growing boys who still love to be, have their birthday celebrated and, and be remembered. That's a neat thing. I like that. I think I'm going to have to copy that. (laughs) That would be great. That's good. That would be great. Yeah. So, you know, and at Thanksgiving, I make their favorite Thanksgiving dessert. I've got recipes for mamas and grandmamas and everyone. But because we usually play on Saturday, Mm -hmm. I make all of their favorite desserts and we deliver on that day, on Thanksgiving Day. That's bigger than cooking Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) That is. That's quite a list because you've got what? It is. From banana pudding to peach cobbler to we have usually, Gunner usually has 15 in his room. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 15 possibly different desserts that you are whipping up. Oh, yeah. Pecan pie, pumpkin pie, you name it. (laughs) We've made it. Do you love to cook or do you just do this? I I do like to cook. Mm -hmm. I do like to cook. But then you know what? Anything past about three desserts is definitely a sacrifice and love of yourself. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I start cooking on Monday. Mm -hmm. So, but you know what? They're not at home. Mm -hmm. And that's just something small that we can do to, you know, to make that day feel special to them. They won't forget those moments. You know, they're going to forget no. when they go move on exactly every single catch they ever made, but they will not forget Miss Brewer's pie or whatever you did, oh, no. their cake, you know, I bet you get cards. Oh, and- they always tell their wives and, you know, when we see them out or we see them, you know, when they're getting married or whatever. Oh, no, Miss Brewer, she never left us out. But, and you know, that 
warms my heart because I would want someone to do that for my children too. Now you have so many phenomenal ideas. Did you have a mentor in this business or did you have someone you kind of followed in their footsteps or is this? I do. Well, first of all, Gunner's mom was a great mentor to me because she was a coach's wife. So when I came into it, it, we, I kind of just moved into the family business. Um, But Gunner's godmother, Judy Youngblood, was a coach's wife for 43 years. And when I became a coach's wife, I was 24 or 5. And she took me kind of under her wing. She's 20 years older than I am. But she, to this day, still gives me the best advice. And she has so much wisdom. And she said, you have to make them feel like they're your children. Because that is your mission. It is. You know. You've been placed in this business for a reason. But she was my mentor, and she gave me the idea about the birthday cakes, and I've done that for 32 years. The seasons are long. How do you and Coach Brewer (laughs) stay connected? Well, we've always do lunch dates, and um, usually when I was working, he would bring lunch to school, and we would have lunch usually on Thursdays because that's a not a busy day. Um, So we do lunch dates, but now we reserve Friday mornings. The last few head coaches that we worked for on Friday mornings, you know, they wouldn't go in until 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. So we've made that our time where we do what we need to do or what we want to do. And that is, we really work hard at preserving that time for just the two of us. Now, what would you say would be a task that you have done that people might not realize would be a responsibility of a coach's wife. I've get a few people listening to this podcast that aren't coaches wives. So what do you think would surprise people to know that some things that you've taken care of? First of all, recruiting is big Mm -hmm. and it's a team effort to recruit kids to come here, you know, because their mothers want to know that they're going to be taken care of and they want to know that, you know, If their baby gets homesick, someone's going to call them. Mm -hmm. So that's a task that every coach's wife, I think, takes on is, you know, taking those kids on. But the other things is, you know, cutting the grass and unpacking the boxes and breaking them all down and putting a house together or getting a house ready to sell in a week to put on the market. You're right. So it's, yeah, I mean, you know, he gets the new job and he's gone and you've got to sell the house and so y'all can move on. You're right. Sometimes you're buying and selling completely by yourself. Oh, yeah. He's gone, and the neighbors are like, where is he? Well, he's left, and so I'm going to get the house ready to sell now. I think you're right. That does surprise people the most. We're like, he already took the job? Like, you know, usually people have transition seasons. Like, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, my husband's, yeah, he's switching jobs, and we're going to, and he has to be there, like, you know, two or three weeks. I know it's tomorrow. (laughs) No, he's leaving in the morning. (laughs) That's right. So, you know. That, I think, is is a task that they wouldn't realize that, you know, you're left behind to do all that and to get it ready and to go. Looking back at a career still unfolding, what are some mm-hmm. of the most rewarding aspects to you about being a coach's wife? Wow. Um, I think some of the most rewarding is is the, the people we've come in contact with and the lives that we have you know, kind of gotten to mentor for four years, which carries over in life for a lot of them that we're still really close to. I think um, 
you know, it's rewarding to know that they're a student athlete, they are an athlete, but that they got that college degree too. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like I do, most of 1% of college players go on to play in the NFL. So that college degree is so important. And that's something Gunnar always stresses that, you know what, that degree is going to take you further than anything. And when you see him graduate and in that cap and gown, it's a pretty rewarding moment. Okay, fast five questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's the last book you have read? Where the Crawdads Sing. Did you like it? Oh, it was great. Are you a reader? Um, not really, but I ask you this question all the time. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good book. <laughs> Maybe so, you can get it on audio. <laughs> uh, yes, that is me. It's always a commute somewhere. <laughs> listening to something while I'm doing dishes. I think I'm just in that yep. season of my life where I, I don't. I'm not That's exactly right. I oh, like yeah. to read, but you know, you're the first yeah. person that ever asked me that back. I was waiting. <laughs> like 24 guests in. She must well, be I a reader now. Asked me that, so. <laughs> Someone just There'll invited me to be a part of the time to read. Yes, there will be. <laughs> Someone invited me to be a part of their book club, and I was like, yeah. She's like, or you can just come and hang out. I was like, B, I'll come and hang out. That's right. You okay. can have the snacks and the social. <laughs> okay, Coach Brewer surprises you and walks in the door with concert tickets. What do you think would be printed on that ticket? Garth Brooks. Yes. Definitely. Even though this weekend he came in, well, Thursday he came in with finish line tickets to the Kentucky Derby. That was pretty Ooh. amazing. Did you go? So, it was our first derby, yes, and it was fabulous. And we were right on the finish line. Wow. It was so that one was good, but we both love Garth Brooks and we'll see him wherever we can. This is actually my favorite question to ask. <laughs> you really learn about people. Everyone has a few things that they might need to throw mm -hmm. away around the house. So what do you need to get rid of? What's the ugliest thing you own? Well, the funny thing is I read this question to my daughter today and she said, Mom. I hope you already know the answer. And I said, absolutely. So 2000, when we were, you know, it was going to be the year 2000, I have this sweater that's black with sequins all over it that say, Happy New Year um, 2000. And she's like, you have got to get rid of that. That is the ugliest thing we've ever seen. And I said, well, that's exactly what I'm going to say. <laughs> so, yes, it is pretty ugly, but I just can't let go of it. So, <laughs> might consider it. Okay, what's your favorite fast food restaurant? Chick Fil A. Mm, yeah, you can't go wrong. I love Chick Fil A. No, you can't. If you could have dinner with someone other than family from any mm -hmm. part in history, who would that be? Mary Magdalene from the Bible, because you know Christ. She's the first one Christ revealed himself to when he rose from the dead. So I think that would be an excellent dinner conversation. Wow, I like your deep yeah. answer. Yeah, because, you know, I would, for Christ to choose a woman in that time period, that is really amazing. And I would just love to have a conversation with her about it. What do you think she would say? I don't know. I mean, I think she would say, you know, he, he forgave my sins and I was faithful to him. And I'm the one he chose to go and tell everyone that he was alive. Hmm. 
I love it. But I don't know. That's why I'd love to have dinner with her. <laughs> that was a completely unanswerable question I just asked you there. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> this has right. been fun. I feel like we've been yeah, talking for 30 seconds and it's been like an entire podcast. You are oh my awesome. Gosh. Thank you so oh, much for no, thank you and being a part of it. Yeah, thank you. It was wonderful and keep doing what you're doing because you know what? We all appreciate it and we all learn from it and you're doing a great job. Well, thank you so much. Best of luck. Make sure to subscribe to the Coach's Wife Live podcast. And for a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit coacheswifelife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.